And good afternoon. It's Thursday, March 10th. How are you guys doing? Welcome to Deering Live, as always. It's always uh, awesome to see you all, even though we can't see you. One day, Dave, I think we should do an actual live, Deering Live, with everybody in person. Don't you think? Yeah, that'd be awesome. It's cool to see these people, these wonderful people (laughs) tune in every time. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Julie, Alan, Sherry. (laughs) Gwendolyn, Karen. Yeah. It's awesome. Um, and it's really, uh, we're always happy to see you all tuning in uh, every, uh, every episode. Um, you'll notice uh, we're in the middle of a transition on the Deering Live page. We're trying to make it a lot better and a lot easier for everybody to follow. So uh, past episodes will be a bit easier to find. Um, and uh, today's episode will be up there relatively soon, uh, I think, because um, we've got a special guest today. And Dave, he's from your neck of the woods. Is that correct? Yes, he's, he's from here down in New Orleans. Um, and you know, fabulous guitar player and banjo player, and really happy to have him on the show. And a great guy too. You've, you've so. jammed with him some, right? We've we've played. Uh, Detroit puts on a festival, the, the Danny Barker Festival, and we've played together at that festival before. Yeah, awesome. So, awesome. but we'll talk more about this festival as we get into the show. Excellent, excellent. Well, uh, let's uh, do a quick introduction. Detroit Brooks, uh, for those of you that know him. Uh, is one of Nolian's top guitar and banjo players for recording and for touring. He's toured around the world and collaborated with musicians such as Dr. John, Dr. Lonnie Smith, Donald Harrison, and many more. Detroit is deeply concerned with keeping the traditional music of the Nolians alive, as, and as such, he has created the Danny Barker Festival, which celebrates the music of Danny Barker and brings groups into the schools of Nolians to teach about the banjo in uh, Nolians' music and history. I think we should bring him in because. He's a delight right off the bat. Let's bring him in, Mr. Detroit Brooks. How y'all doing today? Hey, Detroit. How you doing? All right. Good to see you. Good to see you. Good Thanks to be here. Thanks for joining us today. Um, how's everything going? Oh, it's been great. Everything's been great. Thank you, first of all, for the invite, invitation, you know, to be here. Yeah. It's, like, it's our but pleasure I'm, to have you. But it's been good. Everything has been good in spite of the pandemic and everything else that's gone on in the world and around the world, you know, we're here, you know, we're blessed to be here. Exactly. Well, uh, as is tradition, uh, we'd love if you could uh, kick off with a little bit of a a tune for us and lighten the mood and get everyone comfortable while they get their coffee and tea and I guess whiskey and whatever it is is they're doing. Um, Can you play a little tune for us? Yeah, I'm I'm going to... Do a song that uh, Danny Barker favorite, uh, and uh, it won't be like Danny because I'm not there. But there was, but only one Danny Barker, you know. And but I'm gonna do it in the in the manner and in the respect of him. So it's uh, nevertheless, I'm falling in love with. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm weak, but maybe I'm strong, but nevertheless, I'm falling in love with you. Maybe I'm weak, or maybe I'm strong, maybe I win. 
Baby, I lose, but nevertheless, I'm falling in love with you. Somehow I know at a chance, the terrible chance I was making. Um, that's fantastic. That's fantastic. Great to hear you play. Great to hear you sing. Yeah, I had a few uh, moments with the words, but I guess Daniel forgive me. <laughs> it's all right. That's all right. I love, yeah, that song is fantastic off of that uh, Danny's album, Save the Bones. Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Did you see that Tipitina's? Tipitina's is a famous club here in town They're, they do this record club and they released that record um this week the save the bones record did you mm -hmm. see that no i haven't seen it yet but i think that we're working on some kind of a little deal that they can uh um sell the records at the festival okay very cool yeah um well uh well why don't you uh, kind of get started why don't you how'd you how'd you get started playing music and um what, what what first brought you playing music when you were young? Well, my I, my I come from a, the gospel background. My dad had the gospel group, and uh, he uh, traveled around New Orleans and abroad. And we used to follow him whenever he, we we were uh, when we got old enough to to follow him uh, in the city. We started going around with him, listening to him sing. And as we got older, we decided that we want to sing, so we started you know performing with the group and. He would have problems with getting musicians to play behind him. So I started playing, picking up the bass guitar, playing bass guitar. Right. And um, as I got older, my I did my desire was to play guitar, you know, this lead guitar. So my I gave my bass to my younger brother who plays now here in the city, Mark Brooks. And I picked up a guitar and started studying the guitar. So that's where that's where it all started from. But it's always been a part of our my, you know. My family's life was music. My dad played piano and something. Know. Yeah, you come from from you know musical family, you know, musical and uh, and, and uh, that, that's so common here in New Orleans. You know, there's all these musical families. You know, you're you're one of them: the Brooks family and and you know, the Marcelluses and the Nevilles and and, and the Batiste and on and on. Why why do you think that's that's so prevalent here in New Orleans? And you know, it's not common everywhere else you know I, I really don't know i don't know answer for that because it is and i'm just I, I, you know 
it's it's not something that you see everywhere else, but it's, I guess it's because everything is here so close, <laughs> you know. Uh, you know, and it just the neighborhoods and, the, and kids just come up in the neighborhood seeing their brothers play or seeing, you know, the mom singing or whatever, and then they decide to, that they, that's what they want to be. That's what they want to do, you know. Uh-huh. And as you got, um, when you f- were first playing guitar, who were some of your main influences when you f- were first starting out? Locally, it was uh, Roy Montrez. Um, uh, he was a guitarist for Fats Domino. Uh-huh. And when I did start playing, you know, I used to, in the gospel iridium, uh, uh, we had guitar players that I studied with, you know, that really wasn't great guitar players, but they played, you know. But then when I started really getting serious or interested in playing the guitar, I started with Roy Montrell, then I had Hank Mackey. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and a few other guitar teachers that I had, you know, you know, where I would go to the stores, music stores, and study with them there. And what were some, what were some, were you mainly listening to local music or were you also listening to national music? Well, I started, when I started playing with Down, that's when I really started listening to national music, you know, uh, George Benson, uh, West uh-huh. Montgomery, uh, Joe Pass was one of my favorite. Barney Castle, you know, and, and the list go, goes on. And uh, and and when did you first start playing the six string banjo? Wow, uh, it's been now over over ten years, yeah, you know, longer because I I, I, tra- I started traveling with Dr. Michael White and Greg Stafford. And I was playing the guitar, you know, I had an acoustic guitar that I would play. And so uh, we traveled, we went to Montego Bay, and there was a guy, when we got off the ship, we went on the cruise. When we got off the ship, there was this guy playing a banjo. And Michael said, now we had to come way overseas to hear a guy play banjo. When are you going to play banjo? When are you going to get your banjo? So I said, when I get back home, I'm going to invest in one. So we got back home, I... I talked to a friend of mine here when Harry Sterling, he studied with Danny Barker. So he said, well, man, you can use mine for right now. It's a six string. So it's easier, you know, it's a quick transition, you know, from guitar to banjo, guitar to banjo. So that's what happened. That's when I started. It's been like about, well, maybe 15 years or so, because I've been playing with Michael and him by almost about 15 years. I think I remember, was this, was it before, was it before Katrina? Yes. Oh, yeah. Because I had a garage sale, and my first banjo was uh, just a yard sale. Was out on the um, out in my front lawn, and mm-hmm. I think your sister came by to buy that banjo. She said, "My brother Detroit Brooks plays banjo." Yeah. It was all so it wasn't a functioning instrument. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was a five-string banjo too. <laughs> right. And, you know, I've always wanted to be, I met a, I met a young man, in, not a young man, but I met a, a gentleman in uh, in Washington, D.C. When Dr. White, I went there with him when he was, um, and he received the NEA award. And it, it was a banjo, a claw hammer banjo player from Nashville. Mm-hmm. And he's incredible. And he played a five-string banjo. Mm-hmm. And I asked him, was it possible that he could, we could do some over-the-phone studies and, you know, but I in, in transition made lost his number. Never had an wow. opportunity to do it. But man, I love the five string band. The claw hammer. Mm-hmm. 
I love that. Well, we could work something out. I'll teach you claw hammer and you give me a good, some guitar lessons. How about this? Is gonna sound like a deal to me. Uh, so, so what when you're playing the, the, the banjo, how do you do you approach it any different than when you're playing the guitar, or do you just go because the timbre is very different, you know, the attack yeah. of the is different? Yeah, that's what it is, and it's the colors that you can, you know, you can add to whatever the ensemble is. You can add, I can add more colors, I think, uh, with, with the six string. You know, uh -huh. in and out, in and out of cards. Not that I, you know, I can get on one card, a dominant card, and play because it's detected within the music. You know, the, the front line gonna hear. It. But if I can get in and out, passing tones, then this to me has a has a better feel. You know? And do you play do you play many single note lines on the banjo? Or are you mainly playing chords? I play. I say single note lines. That's my. Yeah. That's my. Favorite, you know, is a single note, yeah. especially doing solos. Yeah, yeah. It, you you feel it gets enough punch through a full band when when you're playing. Yeah, um, yeah. Okay. I think yeah, I think so. All, I mean, once again, it's all in the attack, you know, so your, how you approach the solo. And you're usually usually using a flat pick when you're playing in a, in a group situation, right? Yes. Right? Yeah. Yes. A fairly heavy pick, or is it a light pick? I, I use heavy. Okay. I don't. I don't know about anything about the gauges, you know. I got, but they're just a fender heavy. Yeah. Well, going back into some New Orleans music a little bit, what do you think is unique about New Orleans music? Like, what? What's? What's kind of? If you're going to be generalized, you know, there's lots of different styles within the city, but what kind of makes it? Kind of stand out amongst the, uh, you know, other places. It's the rhythms. It's the rhythm. And basically, all it is the rhythm of what we do. I mean, you can play. You can. Everybody can play a note, or you know, play a chord or a melody. But it's the, the particular rhythms that makes it happen. Just like that, like, uh, that uh, in Cuba, they got a rhythm there that is, if you don't know it, don't try to play it. You know. Right. And it's the same thing here. You know, and it's it's just the rhythms. It's the rhythms of what you you know what, what we bring to, right. especially drummers. You know, percussionists. It's, it's, yeah. So it makes a big difference in the music. Yeah, I, you know, New Orleans is often thought of as the northernmost uh, Caribbean city. Yes, yes. So it has that direct link to you know back to Africa and African rhythms. Exactly right. Right. Um, let's see. So, would you want to play another tune for us now? Uh, I guess we can. When you ready? Sure, sure. When you're smiling, when you're smiling, the whole world smiles with you. When you're laughing, keep on laughing, and the sun will come shining through. But when you're crying, it brings on the rain. So stop your crying and be 
again when you're smiling when you're smiling the whole world will smile with you when you're smiling keep on smiling the whole world will smile with you when you're laughing keep on laughing and the sun will come shining through but when you're crying it brings on the rain so stop your crying and be happy again smiling keep on smiling and the whole world will smile with you Fantastic. You can, you can definitely hear your, you know, the, your gospel roots in your singing. It's so, it's so deep. It's, it's, it's so good. Yeah, it's, it's been a while, you know, I'm still trying to, we're still trying to get through the pandemic, man, even playing and singing. I'm sitting here, you know, losing position from not playing or singing a lot, you know, it just, it's been a little tough, you know. And you never oh, yeah. think you never think that it will affect you, man. Even even when I go on stage, I find myself trying to figure out, you know, because I haven't played in a while. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I went through the same thing with my with my calluses on my fingers, kind of disappearing. That hadn't happened since I was a teenager. You know, right, it's just, right. This was just weird. It started hurting yeah. to play to play a stringed instrument again. Learning song cards and stuff, knowing what you know, this is just something. It's an yeah. experience, I tell you that, man. You know, it's very much of a learning experience, right? Right, and then going back on a gig, some you, you hit the bridge of a tune, and it's the, the, the changes just aren't there, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. right? Man, I'm telling you, and I'm feeling the effect of that right now, you know, yeah. Well, when you're playing, when you're playing, you're kind of playing the your chord shapes are kind of in the style that Danny would play, uh, um, a, a big shape versus versus like a, you know, a Freddie Green like two note sort of yeah. two or three note sort of thing. 
Can you talk a little bit about that, about those, you know, those voicings you use? Well, mine, mine are basically common voices, but Danny was like a big voice. You know, he, he used the whole six strings. Right. You know, I don't, I don't use, use my use basically, you know, just a... It's, I do it because, like I said, in and out, you know, the movement of the cards, you know, I see that this whole, I do. Yeah. Right, you're playing just on the top four strings a on lot the of the time? Strings, yeah. But Danny uses right. those. He uses all. It's a it's a young man that that plays. You know, up seven. He he plays. Yeah. You know, he's the a Danny style. Yeah. yeah, he's a Danny of the day. <laughs> <laughs> Great player. You know, he's a good player. We had him on during live uh, about a year ago or so. Um, yeah. Um, you've toured the world with with uh, you know a lot of fantastic musicians. Um, do you, uh, you've, you've toured with Doctor Doctor John, Doctor Lonnie Smith. Mm -hmm. Who else have, have you have you toured with? Michael White, Doctor White. Uh, uh, Lots of doctors. Yeah, Don Harrison. <laughs> you know, Shemaine Neville. Uh, you know, uh, the list goes on. I don't know if I say yeah, Doctor Lonnie Smith. You know, so yeah, I, I've been around for a minute. You know, yeah. and I played with a lot of great musicians. And I'm still learning, so and it's a lot to learn. But you know, I've what? had. I, go ahead. I'm go sorry. ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Now, see, I've had, I've had my fun, and I've had my share of traveling, you know. And so, for if the if the pandemic fix, has it so that we won't travel anymore, it'd be okay, you know. Because there's a lot of stuff I can do here, you know, in, in the city. Right. What are, do you have any 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 memorable stories from the road um, that stand out? Uh, that stories like, you mean within the groups or the things that have ah, so either playing or just on the road, just you know something funny that you know something unique, you know memorable that happened, you know, with any of any of these people that while yeah, you're traveling. I got some in the store that I wouldn't really know what the store had. <laughs> you know, that's one thing that I miss about traveling on the road, especially with the, the, uh, Dr. White and, and Shemaine and the groups that I've traveled with, Down has and them, because we, we are, uh, we're not just musicians that's gone out to play. We, we like family. Yeah. You know, we, we enjoy each other. We enjoy each other's time, you know, on stage and off uh, and off stage. We enjoy each other. And so it's just so many things that we've done and, and stuff, man. I'll be here all day long, you know, trying to thank you on the tell. You know, we, uh, you know, I, can, I really can't, it's hard to thank us up. Well, we, we had one time we was playing at the uh, Apollo mm -hmm. and uh, Don was doing the Indians, you know, he, he always bring the Indians with him. And there's one guy wants to sing. So he asked Don, so we're saying doing a, a little bitty boy with a, you know that one. Hey, pocket yeah. 
They so, so he asked Donald, he said, look, I can sing all the Indian songs. So Donald said, well, what's all that? You know, he said, that song, you know, uh, I think it's Hey, 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 Pook Away. We pook away, so Don said, No, it's hey, pack away. He said, So Don said, well, what's the, Do you know the words? And he said, Yeah, I know the words. So he said, Don said, What's the words? And he said, uh, uh, Don said, Little bitty boy. He said, Yeah, that's the first one. Yeah, little bitty boy. And he said, uh, Don said, Well, go on, we to finish with it. So what's the rest of it? He said, uh, uh, Don said, Well, harder still. He said, Yeah, we're harder still. And he he didn't know the words, so so but every time Don would say the word, then he was, you know, but he actually came out on stage. And made up words to go with it didn't fit, but he made up words. <laughs> and the whole everybody, the band, all this, all everybody was laughing at him, you know. So there's just so, there's so much stuff, man, that has happened, man. So I, I'm telling you, I could write a book about it, you know. Yeah, well, you should, you should definitely. <laughs> it's really enjoyable, but just to pick something off the top of my head right now would be awful. Yeah, yeah. I'm not really good at interviews. Yeah. I, you brought up something that I think we should talk about a little bit. You brought up the, you know, the in, the Mardi Gras Indians, and I think most people watching aren't familiar with with who they are. Um, mm -hmm. We just celebrated, you know, Carnival down here in New Orleans. I sent some. I went and saw some Indians. I sent uh, Jamie and Jonathan uh, some photos of, of some Indians. Um, mm -hmm. But could you explain what the Mardi Gras Indians are? They, they, they're really just any New Orleans Indians that uh, celebrates every year. They've been doing this for a hundred years, and they uh, uh, this a group of not native Indians. It's just a, a group of Mardi Gras Indians that have been parading for years, and it's a certain time of the year that they come out. Certain times of the year because they come out again on Saint on Mardi Gras day, and they come out again on Saint Joseph day. Mm -hmm. And and Donald was Donald Harrison. We're talking about his father was a famous Mardi Gras Indian chief. Yeah, he is also he's a chief of the uh, uh, Congo Nation. Okay. Mm -hmm. Um. Well, let's talk about the festival. Let's talk about the Danny Barker Festival that you started. Um, you know, you started this how long ago? Was it about five or six years ago? Ooh, no, we started in 2014. Oh, I'm sorry. So yeah, eight years ago. Um, yeah. Why don't you tell us first, you know, tell people, tell our listeners, explain who Danny Barker w was a little bit and why, you know, why you started this festival to honor him. Well, Danny Barker is a New Orleans bone uh, musician that yeah, left. He went to uh, New York and when he got there, he played with everybody. I mean, from Cap Calloway to Betty Carter, uh, Charlie Parker, he was a well-rounded uh, musician. And he, after a while, he decided he wanted to come back home to New Orleans. And when he came back home to New Orleans, he decided he wanted to spend time working with kids and teaching kids about life, not just about the instrument, because he, he was a banjo player. And most of the people that was mentored or tutored by Danny uh, Play different instruments. Uh, Dr. Michael White clarinet, Greg Stafford uh, trumpet, uh, Wendy Bruner's trumpet, Herlin Rollins drums. Then he also had some that were tutored by him. Wind up being pharmacists. He told them, "He said, get yourself a day job. You know, get yourself a job that you can make some money." So they wind up being pharmacists. Uh, one lady was an attorney. She was a dancer. He, she she become an attorney. So then it was this uh, more a mentor and an inspiration to the kids. 
And he, so but he, he created these bands of different young people. And he like he was the resurgence of the, the brass band because everything was dying out. And when Daniel started up the, the bands again, that started the music again. So then he, he got with the uh, uh, Fabry Baptist Church and the minister asked him, he asked the minister, what can I do? He said, start me a, a gospel band. So that's where the Fabry uh, uh, brass band came into effect. And Leroy Jones, Greg Stafford, and the whole uh, uh, Lucian Barbaran, all of those were members of the band. And, you know, Danny was just, he was just good for the city, not only for the the, the, the community, but for the city and, and a whole, you know, with the kids and stuff. So we start, we, we realized that it's dying again. You know, it's, 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 it's look like we're losing the ground with the traditional music. So we started the Danny Barker Festival from a, from a guitar extravaganza and it escalated to where we decided we want to do something different. We want to teach the kids about the music, the culture, and the heritage. You know, so that's how Danny's the festival started. And and what does what's uh, tell us about this year's festival and and who's playing in it? What what are some of the events that are going on? Well, we have a uh, we have a patron party uh, on the 16th, which is held up at uh, the Terror House on Magazine Street, which is a very beautiful place. And this lady has gotten involved over the last two, three years and gave us the, the uh, space. Plus, she caters the food for us. And we, we go up and introduce, you know, the Danny Barker Festival. And on the on the 17th, we're going to show a screening. There's a screening that was done by Jason Barry. I don't know if you know of him, but he's produced this uh Wonderful film, man, called the City of a Million Dreams, which is all about New Orleans. So that'll be played on the 17th. And then we go to Snell Harbor on the 18th with the Danny Barker Tribute Band with Topsy Chapman as a vocalist, Dr. Michael White, Greg Stafford, uh, yeah, Greg Stafford, Freddie Lonzo, uh, Herman LeBeau, Mitchell Player, and myself. And several is supposed to come and play also. Uh, so then we go on, on to the uh, 18th, that morning of the 18th, we'll have a parade at the Jazz Museum and functions at the, the whole day, the whole day, the entire day from 10 o'clock to 5 o'clock that evening. There'll be music at the Jazz Museum, New Orleans Jazz Museum. And then on the 19th, we're, we're moving our venue to the uh, National Park Service, which is 419 Decatur Street where we will also have music all day. There'll be uh, some fabulous musicians there. Then we go back to the Jazz Museum on that Sunday with music again. And um, and is, we have we have viewers from all around the world um, today. Um, is there any place online people can go to, to um, be a part of this festival? Yes, you can go to danbuckbanjofestival.com. And you okay. pull up, it's a website and it pulls up everything. Pull up all, will, there, all that. will any of the concerts be live streamed on, online? Do you know? Yes, yes, we're planning to live stream. Okay. All right. Terrific. Um, I know the Mint always has a live stream too, the, mm -hmm. the Jazz Museum Mint. Um, it's, so they have, but they can just go to dannyparkerfestival.com and see that. Right. right. Terrific.
And you also go into the schools with the festival each year. I've been part of that a couple of times. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, what, I'm missing Want to talk about what, what you do on that part? Well, you know, we, we go into the schools, and as I said, we're trying to educate the kids because there's a lot of kids that have, they're playing music, they're learning the instruments, but they don't know the history. Just like a lot of them don't know the banjo is an African origin instrument, you know, and we try to teach them because they, they, they laugh at it, you know, because they think that it's just a, a picking and a grinning above it instrument, but it's not. It has more of a history to it. So we try to show the kids there's a value of whatever instruments you're playing and the history, learn the history of it, learn, you know, why you're playing it. Don't just play it. You know, Danny was like, he, there was a young lady that was dancing. He was he was working at Xavier University and she would always be out in the hall dancing. He asked her, well, what are you dancing so often? What you going to do with it? You know, so she said, I just like to dance. He said, but do something with it. Make something of it, you know, create something with what you're doing. So she wound up opening the dance school. She's an attorney. She went to law school. But after that, after she finished law school, she decided to become an attorney. So she's an attorney with a dance school because of Danny Barber. So the same same situation with, with the kids, you know, at the school. We're trying to make them realize it's just just don't play it, you know, and walk up and down the street playing it. Learn, how, learn the, the, the history of it. You know, see how important it is to you and what it can do for you in your lifetime. You know, this had this and that guitar has taken me all over the world. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, the trumpet has taken Greg Stafford all over the world. He goes to to, to Canada two, three times a year. Right. You know? And so that's what we want to realize with the instrument. It's not just a something that you play in the school and then when you get out, you finish. You know. So that's right. the reason. We- and to the schools, it's the education component. Yeah, yeah it's fantastic how you have both, you know, both uh, have that that part of the festival. You know, you have mm-hmm. the concerts, also have that. I, I've run into somebody from, I think, a ex-student from like UNO that's, that, that was inspired by one of those concert, one of those, mm-hmm. uh, um, uh, you know, talks that we did at, at UNO one year. I forget mm-hmm. who, but uh, it's making a difference, definitely. Yeah, and that's what we hope. That's what we hope. Like we said, we're picking up the torch, you know. Uh huh. And we're picking up Some the torch with that. Yeah, if you don't, nobody else will. So. Exactly right, and then eventually it'll be it'll be long gone, you know. And it won't, you know, won't be anymore. You know? So that's what we're trying to we're trying to save us, save us, you know, what what there is left of it. And, right. You know, revive it, man. Well, you're you're featured on the cover of uh, uh, the Offbeat magazine this month. Uh, for those that don't know, that's like that's the local uh, um, entertainment magazine, but it's, it goes mm-hmm. all around the world. There's subscribers all around the world, so mm-hmm. it's a pretty big deal. It's a great photo of you and your banjo there. Yeah, thank you. I, I was surprised. You know, I, I knew about the interview, but I didn't want to know it was going to be on the front cover. So, you know. I was really surprised. I'm grateful, being humbled, but uh, you know, really surprised. Well, yeah, it's it's great, and it's, it's a good interview too. So, yeah, you can uh, our viewers, you can go uh, find that online. You can go to Offbeat. I think it's Offbeat.com, um, and and uh, and see the interview, read the interview. Um, let's somebody. I see a question in here in the chat um, from Sherry McCohen. 
Um, she's saying, does Detroit use any techniques on banjo that he doesn't on regular guitar? Uh, not really. Well, I guess I can because on guitar I'm playing different different genres of music. You know, so on, on this is basically uh, a rhythm uh, triad kind of a you know situation. On guitar, then you know I, I can do anything. You know, as long as it's within the context of the music that I'm playing. So the harmony you're using on banjo is more simple than than right. Yeah, it's more simplistic. Yeah. Okay. Um, we have a question from Gwendolyn Karen in the chat. She's wondering if you ever attended the jazz festival by Eastman School in Rochester, New York. No, I have not. Never. Okay. <laughs> so the All right. If she if she wants to invite us, I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, we'll, we'll, we'll put your email in. in, in yeah, the chat. yeah. <laughs> um, let's see, you've also been focused, I know you've been focused on songwriting. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Like, what, what styles would you call your songs in? Well, I, I do love more ballads and, and, and R&B gospel. I've written, a, I'm doing a few uh, traditional kind of things. And... Uh, but it's basically right now I would say more more gospel and ballads. Okay. Mm -hmm. Have you tried using banjo on any of these tunes? Actually, I got one song that I've, I've recorded already. It hasn't been put out, but I recorded it, and I'm gonna go back and put banjo on. Awesome! That'd be great. Mm -hmm. Look forward to hearing it. Um, do you usually start when you're writing a tune, a song? You do you usually write starting with the lyric, or do you come up with with the uh, harmony first, harmony or melody. That was actually in the, in the interview that I done. It's strange because I, if I'm driving and I started thinking of of a, a melody, and it's almost like they all come simultaneously. I mean, the lyrics will come, then the music come. So then I pull my phone up and I sing it, the the lyrics, and I hum the the, the melody in the phone. So they okay. basically come at the same time. You know, and then I, I I put that down, and then I then I started working on it. You know, but it, it, it just comes. It's not like it's it's not a whole lot of effort. You know, to put in right. You don't it, you don't sit down and say I'm going to write a song today. It just kind of hits you, and you grab right. the phone. Exactly, and it's it's the subject. You know, it's the subject. It's the topic. Somebody might say something. I wrote a song. Uh, we was in we was in Mexico for a month, and this. Uh, this lady that was like our road manager, she had this thing about, oh no, oh no, you know, she was like, oh no, we ain't gonna do this today, oh no, we ain't gonna do this, oh no, he didn't call it, oh no, whatever. And I wrote this song, said, oh no, not this time. You know, it's <laughs> what she said. And it's complete, it was this came just like she said it. I just took, oh no, and then I just started writing from that. That's fantastic. That shows how you can get inspiration from, you know, anything, really. Yeah, I, th I think most songs, I ain't going to say the most good songs, most songs come from that, come from something that you see, even if it's just a, a, a butterfly flying, you know, or, uh -huh. a bird flying, a bird chirping, whatever, you know, that's what your ideas and, your, you know, the inspiration come from for something. Yeah, and it's great that, you know, you almost always have a recording device with you all the time mm -hmm. with the phone, so you can just... Yeah, jabber into it. <laughs> yeah. 
So who are some who are some musicians that inspire you today? Who what are you listening to as of late? Uh, instrumentalist, uh, uh, vocal, uh, both. Both. What are we just yeah. Well, uh, there's all kind. Of, I mean, like I say, my some of my favorites. I mean, I got some local guys. It was one young man that he's deceased now, Ty Duke. I don't know if you knew Ty Duke. Yeah, yeah. Ty was one of was one of my local favorites. Steve Mazakowski, uh, you got uh, Brian Seeker, all of these guys. You, I mean, you play yourself. You know, a great player. And uh, 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 there's a lot of you know guys that I I I, I go Walter Wolfman Washington. I'll go sit down and listen to him at any time because he has, he, he's not only just a great guitarist, he's a great spirit, you know, mm-hmm. and that's what, that's what I take. If I, I can go listen to the guy playing, he can be technically correct. He can be playing all over the box, but if there's no substance in his playing, then I listen to maybe one or two of his songs and then I'm gone. But if you, if you, you're playing and there's feeling in, you know, you're saying something to me as an audience then I, I can sit there all night long. I don't drink, but I can drink orange juice all night long, you know, to listen to me. So I have a lot of local uh, talent and influences, you know. Right, right. Yeah, we're right. lucky to to be in, you know, the city with, you know. Yeah, because everybody brings something different, you know, and that's what that's the great thing about it is everybody that offers something has their own to bring, you know, and that's what yeah. I like about it. So, are you working on anything else? Do you have a new recording coming up that you're working on, or any? What are you working on besides the festival? Is, or and what are some musical goals that you would like to, you know, achieve in the future? Well, I, I wrote a I wrote a gospel song for the uh, the pandemic. Is not really for the pandemic. It's for faith. You know, it's for faith and people, you know, asking asking questions. You know why? You know why? Why are we going through all of this? You know, and I wrote a song, and I had Irma Thomas, Philip Manuel, John Boutte, Paul Sanchez, Shemaine Neville, uh, Sharon Martin, Les Gidricks, the whole all of the icons, iconic voices of New Orleans, to paint, to sing a part of this song, like "We Are the World" kind of a song. So okay. we recorded that. We recorded that, and hopefully, right after the festival, we can finish it and put it out. It's put we're putting it out as a fundraiser. Okay, it's, it's a fundraiser for the musicians' clinic and all of the organizations that has helped musicians. They can sell it as a fundraiser and to raise money. You know? I'm not that's looking awesome. for nothing out of it. Yeah. That's that's fantastic, that's, that's one of the things that then I'm going in. Because I don't have a CD out, so everybody keeps saying, "Man, why don't you put your writing? Why don't you?" So I'm gonna go in and put out a CD on the songs that I write, and also on some of the some of the more traditional songs that you know uh-huh. in the city and stuff. That's that's great. I look forward to hearing that. You know, and I and definitely <laughs> love to read out a CD out. I'd love to. I'd love a recording out. I'd love to. You know, love to hear it. Thank you. Maybe I might call you to come do something with me. You got my number. <laughs> well, um, I know Jamie has has been monitoring the chat, and there's some other questions that um, that he'd like to. So I'd like to bring Jamie back in over here. A mute. Hey, what's going on? What's going on? 
Uh, that was really interesting to listen to. Thank you, uh, Detroit. And I'm enjoying the matchmaking between you two right now. It's rather rather adorable <laughs> to see. And I, hey, I would pay good money to hear Dave and uh, and Detroit jam. That would be rad. See what I'm saying? And I'm talking about. Uh, all the, <laughs> I know I know how good Dave is as well. So I think it would be yeah. cool. Yeah, it'd be really He's cool. He's great. <laughs> Not to blow your horn too much, there, Dave. Uh, <laughs> Back to business, back to, back to, back to work. <laughs> um, so Charlie Brown, which is an awesome name, um, is asking, how do you tune your strings? Are you standard guitar tuning? Standard guitar tuning. Do you ever mess with anything different, or are you standard straight through all the way? It's, it's, I hate to say it, but it's lazy. I guess it's easier for me to, you know, to, to just pick it up and go. Because I actually I have a full-string banjo here. And I want to I want to learn how to play it, not to play out because I don't like the ting 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 the tinginess of the of the banjo. No disrespect for banjo players, but I just don't I don't like that. I like the warmth of you know what this one here gives me. So and it's tuned just like a guitar, and it's easier for me. I, I put this on the stand and then I just reach over and play the same chord but different different ver you know uh, voicings, uh, different kind of uh, shapes and stuff, so that they don't clash because. In traditional, it's about the front line. It's about the, the trombone, trumpet, and the clarinet. And if you're trying to play too much, you'll you'll get in their way. Yeah. And they don't. The guy I play with, he you can tell when he when you're in his way because he's like this here. So if he's looking back at you, you understand? <laughs> you know, you're playing too much. You, your your movements, you know, even with a bass player, you know, if he tell you to walk the full. That's too much, you know. So, and it's I understand it because it's an ensemble, you know. And it's when you're working in a group, each person has a part, you know. And and that part, you if you play that part, this is like I guess it's like a puzzle, you know. That puzzle has these parts, and once you finish it, I don't care what the shape of it is. Once it fit in that spot, that puzzle is finished. And that's what the, the same thing with music. We all supposed to support one another. You know, if you got me playing too much, you know, too many changes and stuff, then I'm cluttering up everything. And it don't work free, you know, you don't give the freedom. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. It's perfect sense. We've actually been having a pretty lengthy conversation in the chat, uh, a few of us here, just in general. Um, and so I've got a couple of, couple of questions to pose. I think the first one, they kind of link into one another, but the first one is really for both of you because you're both um, New Orleans players as well. Is is six string popular in New Orleans, or is it mainly the four strings that you're seeing um, as, from a banjo standpoint? Well, you don't have very many six strings, but the the, the person that brought the six string I, to New Orleans was Danny, and he was very popular. Cause he played with everybody, you know. But you you won't see many of them because a lot of, lot of the guys will say you're cheating, you know. And I, I'm gigging, I'm working, <laughs> you know. I'm getting, I play I play with mostly most of the people in the city. So I mean, if they feel they feel it's okay for them and they're satisfied with it, and I'm satisfied, then I I can care less about what you feel about me playing six string. But you know, it's it's not a very popular instrument, you know. Yeah, but, the, uh, the, but, the four string is the is the main. Go to Dave. I know you're a four-string yes. guy. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That kind of that led into the other debate. Like Sherry, poor, poor Sherry. She's she's a five-string player, but she's she's also saying she's she's been roasted in uh, uh, music forums and stuff for, for owning and playing a six-string because yeah. there's that 
kind of age-old debate of you know the six-string banjo is, is cheating somehow um, because it's supposedly easier to play. And I'm really? explaining, I, it's it's not necessarily easier, right? It's it's more difficult to replicate maybe a five-string sound, but it's not. I don't think it's cheating. But I'm keen to hear what you uh, what you think as a as a six-string player. Talking to me. Okay, yeah, I I, I feel like this, like I said earlier. As a six-string player, they can say I'm cheating, but I work, you know, and I I give to I work because I give to the 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 uh, my employee what he wants to hear, you know, and even when I travel overseas, when you go to Europe, Dave will tell you when you go to Europe, you, you don't see you don't see too many of these, you know what I'm saying? Most of those, and I mean they plan, I mean they really plan down, but they they admire what I do on this one. And I think it's it's, it's, it's even the guitar player. It's not the instrument; it's the musician. It's the, the person that's playing it, and what you bring to the stage, and what you know. Because I'm more of a rhythm. This gives me more, you know, more rhythm. And so, I, I don't see OST now because I guess that's the same thing we would say about uh, seven string bass. You know, you got four string bass player. Now you got seven string bass. You know, bass players, you know, you even got uh, stand-up basses not adding another string to it, you know. So, I mean, it's just what you see, what you hear, and what you get, you know, what you feel. I, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a bass player, and, and um, there's, only yeah, you know. four, there's only supposed to be four strings, but I respect anyone with five, six, or seven. All right, it's fine. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's what, what you want to do. <laughs> right? No. So, so uh, Sherry, pay attention. Detroit Brooks has your back. And says, I got you back. All right. <laughs> you tell tell those message forums. It's not cheating. Detroit says so. That's right. Um, <laughs> and you know, people that might not notice it, but you read up on it. Django Reinhardt plays six string banjo. Yes, he did. Did you know that? I did. Yep. Know that. Yes. Yep. So, I mean, so, I mean, he was some of the best in the world. So, if he cheat, if Danny Barker cheat, Jonathan Seal cheat, I'm okay. I'm going to cheat too. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Very good. Well, I think that's all the questions I got. I think from the from the other um, chat room. But uh, Dave, anything else you wanted to to add there? No, this has been fun. Uh, hope to see you in, in person soon, uh, Detroit. Um, yes, yeah, but, uh, but uh, yeah, it's great, to, great to chat with you, and great to hear you play. Yeah, sounds yes, great. Thank yeah, you, and that's thank a, you. it is a Boston, isn't it? It's the Deering Boston you're playing. Boston, yes. Yeah. And this was actually, believe it or not, I own Danny Danny Buffalo's banjo, but it was it was that it was destroyed, not damaged. It was destroyed during the Stone Katrina, and it's in the shop now. The guy that has it, the violin maker, I don't know if you know him, David Zagardin, Sal has it, and he says he can put it back together. So we, I'm, trying, I'm raising the money, trying to get an organization to help me put it back together, but. I went to, uh, we played at a, a church, and I think it was in St. Louis. And I didn't have a banjo. So the guy told me, let's tell him to come on anyway. We had rent one for him to play. So when I got there, they had rented this banjo for me. So it was, we played at the church, and it was talking about the situation in New Orleans, which everybody knew. And this guy was sitting down there, and he was saying that we rented we had to rent his banjo for him to come be able to play. So the guy stood up, he said, how much is it? What you think the banjo is worth? 
So he said it was, it was I think it was sixteen hundred dollars or something like that. And he said, uh, put it in the case, and when he leave, let him take it home with him. That guy said, what? He said, yes. He said, I'm going to write you a check for that. He wrote a check out for the mounted banjo, and I've been having it ever since. Wow. wow. That's amazing. That's yeah, it was. Cool just, it, it made the papers and stuff. I got the clipping of it, but, the, you know, it was amazing. This guy, just, he just wrote a check and bought it, you know. Wow. That's a cool instrument to have. Did I see, I can't quite see now, it's slightly out of frame. Do you have like a, a foam mute on the under the tailpiece area? Or do, am I seeing things? Here? Yeah, is there something under there? No, that, this right here? Yes. That's a, that's a strap. Oh, that's what that is? I thought I saw yeah, something yes. else on there. Okay. I got this makeshift strap on here, man. Like, uh, okay. Danny Baldy used to have a string. Mm -hmm. He had a string tied from up, he had a string tied around here and go all the way across. You know, yeah. I, I tell people, man, I, you know, I see he had some habits, man. He used to walk around with his banjo in the, in the garbage bag, holding the garbage bag like this here. You know, <laughs> see? But, he, but he was amazing. He's amazing. You don't need, he crazy odd cases. You don't need crazy uh -huh. technology cases. You got a garbage bag. This is, yeah. That's, that's, what else do you need? Yeah. I should not have said that. We've got some good cases there. That's right. Um, for, for the, all right, so real quick, just to wrap up, for anyone who maybe doesn't necessarily know Danny Barker, where's a good album or song to start with? And I'm, I'm going to throw that to both of you because I think you're both way more uh, knowledgeable on him than, than myself. But. All of them. He has a two, uh, Save the Bomb for Danny, the, the Save the Bomb for Henry Jones. And uh, I think that song is on there. Uh, Nevertheless, that's on there. But that would be a good one for them to listen to. But tell them they can also go in and uh, YouTube. That's what I would suggest that you go to YouTube and listen to some of the clips on him. You know, and what it does, it may, you know, it, 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 I guess it, it makes you get want to get more involved once you hear him, and 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 basically get a chance to meet him. You know what I'm saying? Because you, you can see his character. Because he was on, and I tell people, it's not just Danny played, it's he lived the banjo, he sung the songs, he created words from songs that was already written, you know, I, uh, like like uh, St. Louis Blues, you know, uh, St. James Informer, where she, she, she laying down, her husband, her boyfriend went to go see her, and she, she woke up and said, don't you get away from this, don't you see I'm trying to lay down and die and get out of, get out of my face, and then she did, this is the dead one. So he, you know what I'm saying, Dave, he made up this yeah. story to go along with his plan. So it had a lot more, it was more interesting, it was more interesting with the stuff that he'd done, you know, along with his plan. So if you look at him on Facebook, I mean, on YouTube, he'll tell you what songs to buy. He'll tell you what to buy, you know, and I, I think that would be the best way for anybody that wants to purchase something of, of yours or mine. Listen at it, you know. On, on on YouTube, you know, listen to YouTube, and then you get an idea of what he's doing, and then you believe me. When you finish listening to one of the song, you are going to buy all the CDs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, well Dave, maybe after this we can we can get in the, in the uh, Detroit Brooks episode page. We can uh, put some Danny Barker videos up there as well, and some more of Detroit. And maybe uh, maybe we can get a playlist going for some for some folks who want to know more. So perfect. We can do that definitely. Mm -hmm. so, Excellent stuff. Cool. Do you mind playing us out with a little tune before we go? 
Well, let me see what I can do. Since it's, such a, I know, it's a big ask, but I, we, we huh? believe in you and we, we love it. And everyone here is loving the, loving the tunes. So. Let me see. Uh, let, me, let me bring you out with... Thank you, thank you so much today, Detroit. We really appreciate you coming in today. And thanks, everyone, for thank tuning you. in. And uh, we'll see you again soon. And I think we can hear what's coming. I see trees of green, red roses too. I see them bloom for me and for you. Then I say to myself, what a wonderful world. I see skies of blue. Clouds are white, bright blessed days and dark sacred night. Then I say to myself, what a wonderful world. The colors of the rainbow, so pretty in the sky, and the love on the faces of the people passing by. I see friends shaking hands, saying, how do you do? What they really say is I love you. I hear babies cry, and I watch them grow. What they you and I will never know Then I say to myself What a wonderful world And I say to myself What a wonderful world